is is smut also prose like if i describe the prose in this book as poorly written do you think that covers the smut too or is that separate Welcome to All My Friends Are English Majors, the podcast where I, a business major, make my friends, almost all English majors, read popular fiction with me. This month, my guest is my boyfriend, Sam. Hi, Sam. Hello. Sam. I am not an English major. Correct. I'm a computer engineering major, which is pretty close, I would say. Yeah, super close. Did you read any books in college for a class that weren't a textbook? No. When's the last time that you had to analyze literature? Uh, I mean, I read Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy a few months ago. And, like, I didn't write a report, but I analyzed it. So 2015? But, but a book report? Yeah, so a book report would have been, like, 2015. Or, like, well, did you take APs? I, did, I only took uh, AP math classes because there were not a whole lot of AP classes offered at my school. Okay. So Sam has never analyzed a piece of literature ever. Not as a legal adult outside of this podcast. Okay. Sick. That's okay, though. We'll make it happen. We'll make it work. We're making it work. My mom listened to the Love Hypothesis episode, which we're feeling so good about. Um, And she said Sam was really thoughtful. That's true. And I think that that's hopefully all she has to say about it. So before we get to the book, which was the Spanish love deception, I really almost said the Spanish hating game. I'm really getting lost. Um, Before we talk about the Spanish love deception, we have to discuss the poll that Bailey put up, which was that she would like people want us to drop the hating game episode. Guys, I can't describe to you how bad the hating game episode was. Yeah, we didn't do a good job. We really genuinely did a good, a bad job. And I think that you guys are hearing us say that and you think that we're like gatekeeping like really funny content. We're not. It was boring. There was nothing funny about it. I talked, I think, 85% of the time. Like, it was just, and I just kept saying, oh, and also, and then talking more. And it wasn't good. But potentially, potentially. If we get enough demands from the fans. And I'm not talking about an Instagram poll. I expect a DM or a text if you know me in real life. And only if that happens will Sam and I do a re-record. Perhaps a little tipsy so that we actually are funny. Because you must remember we have rehashed this book at this point, what, for probably two hours? It is hard to uh describe how much we talked about the hating game before the podcast because we had finished it we had finished it like multiple days before we recorded and we were talking about it while reading it too because this was my first time reading a book like this and I had a lot of thoughts and we hadn't really put in the rule yet that we weren't going to talk about a book before recording the podcast so like we we got all the funny bits off mic already we did. We did. And when I say the word rehash, like, I mean, we were rehashing it. Like, I think re is the important part of that word. We just talked about it over and over and over again. So I'm not going to put a number on it. But if vibes are strong enough, we will potentially do an extra hating game episode. But maybe. Okay, you want to get into the Spanish Love Deception? Yes, by Elena Armas, her debut novel from 2021. Boy, is it. Okay. Catalina Martin. Martin, since she's Spanish. Martin. Catalina. Catalina? No. (laughs) Catalina Martin desperately needs a date to her sister's wedding, especially since her little white lie about her American boyfriend has spiraled out of control. Now everyone she knows, including her ex and his fiancé, will be there and eager to meet him. 
She only has four weeks to find someone willing to cross the Atlantic and aid in her deception. New York to Spain is no short flight, and her raucous family won't be easy to fool. Enter Erin Blackford, her tall, handsome, condescending colleague, who surprisingly offers to step in. She'd rather refuse. Never has there been a more aggravating, blood-boiling, and insufferable man. But Catalina is desperate, and as the wedding draws nearer, Erin looks like her best option and she begins to realize he may not be as terrible in the real world as he is at the office. One, yesterday I did ask Sam how we were going to do the comparison-contrast episode because two of our main characters were named Adam. This man's name is Aaron. It is. Emily also texted me, I think briefly after finishing the book, asking what the main character's name was again. It is Catalina. She goes by Lena. Did I really? Or no. was that the last one? That was, was that Shay, Shay with the X Talk. I'm going to be, be honest. These books kind of blend together. I've read <laughs> four of these books in a pretty quick time frame. You're being so brave. You are. Sam is really discovering what it's like to be a woman this month, reading all these romances. Yeah, would you ever read this many hateful coworker books in a row? Like, would you read this many romance books of the same genre, like back to back? No. No. I usually dance around a little. They also, like, I'm reading the 2021 ones. Like, I waited, I think, like, four months for the Spanish Love Deception the first time I read it. Because I was waiting for it on Libby. Whereas... Like, now, they're really fast and easy to get, so I wasn't really reading them all in a row. I was just kind of waiting for them to come through on my holds list. So I don't usually read this much romance this quickly. I'll, like, read a little fantasy. Like, that was the thing about getting into book talk, was I was reading all the Sarah J. Moss books and getting into the Shadow and Bone series, and getting into, like, I was reading a lot of really popular series at the same time, so I would read, like, one, um, oh, what is the name of that? I'm picturing the names of the books. The first Sarah J. Moss series that has, like, eight books in it that's actually very good that isn't Akatar, whatever that's called, That took me, like, six months to read because I kept having to wait for them to come in. So I would, like, read one of those, and then I would read, like, a shitty little smutty romance. And then I would, like, read two more of those. Then I would read another little romance, or I would read a couple of Shadow and Bone books. Like, I was really, I had a lot of, a lot of, um, pans in the fryer? Irons in the fire? Irons in the fire. (laughs) Um, I think it should be, (laughs) I think it should be noted that I have worked... 23 out of the last 48 <laughs> hours. You're really close. Phonetically, you were really close. Thank you. Um, how do you feel about the rest of the back of the, back of the book? I think the back of the book undersells that this book is 500 pages long. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about the back of the book is if you have the actual book, you can see how long it is. But we both read this digitally. So I I didn't really have any idea going in that this was going to be such a long book. I was kind of shocked by the number of pages I was seeing on Libby, but I also didn't bother to, like, change the font size or anything. I also think that, like, I don't know, it felt long reading it this time. I was like, why is this taking so long? Yeah, it, I mean... Like, everything is rewritten so many times. So much of what you read is rehashed from earlier in the book. It's the same thoughts. It's the same actions, just in a new setting. Yeah. It's not good. Guys, I wish that we had a good one for you. I personally think the love hypothesis is good. But I understand that there are some, some problematic aspects. Yeah, and maybe we get into that in the comparison contrast episode, but maybe this is just a a trope that is not going to create great books. 
Yeah, or maybe we feel like we're wor- they're worse than they are because we're reading so many of them close together. Like, all four of these I read and was like, oh, that's cute, and then I just moved on, and as soon as I had to read any of them with, like, any sort of, like, critical thought, I was like, oh, shit. Uh, maybe that's our big mistake, is trying to take literary analysis to these books. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Sam, do you want to give us a two-minute summary? Yes. Uh, so, quick recap of what was on the back of the book. So, Lena and Aaron are co-workers at a engineering consultancy uh, company. And Lena needs a date to her sister's wedding in Spain because Lena lied to her family and said that uh, she's bringing her boyfriend, which she doesn't have. Um, so Aaron and her don't get along, but he is agreeing to be her date anyways um, in return for her like showing up as his date for a fundraising event. Um, and it's revealed right before they leave for Spain that Aaron is going to be promoted to Lena's direct boss. Um, and then it's revealed in in Spain that the best man of the wedding is Lena's ex-professor slash ex-boyfriend, uh, who really, that breakup, uh, was really hard on her. She ended up like moving to America. Um, then there's like 250 pages of filler about what is happening before and during the wedding. But I think I can summarize it by saying, uh, Lena thinks about Aaron's body a lot, and then they have sex, and then they fall in love, uh, and then they come back to America, and they have a little bit of a fight, uh, because, like, the whole thing of Aaron being her boss is rightfully making Lena pretty apprehensive. Um, and then, so it's revealed like super late, like literally the last two chapters of the book, uh, that Aaron's dad has been fighting cancer and has recently gotten worse. Uh, so Aaron flies home to see his dad and Lena follows him like a few days later and is like checking hospitals because she doesn't know which one he's at. Uh, and eventually they meet up again and they make up. And everything is great. And then the book is over. Did I miss anything? No, I think that's about it. I have to tell you, the whole time that you were summarizing it, I was thinking about the fact that we have that cute picture of us with our Martin City cups that we're both drinking while we record from, and her last name is Martine, so it's so fun. Wow. Life emulates art. Art emulates life. This this book is art? No, our relationship is art, babe. Ah, uh, okay. Maybe I'll cut that from the pod. That was kind of sickening. <laughs> There's going to be more sickening parts of the pod. Yeah, maybe, maybe I can just hit, instead of warning your sister off the pod, maybe we can just warn my mom off the pod for too many hands. Yeah, that... It's going to be, I'm going to have to read some things that I have committed to reading, but I don't, I'm not sure I want them to be heard. Oh yeah, I get that. You probably shouldn't be on a podcast then. Um, the other thing that I was thinking about while you were giving that summary was, um, like the only personality that Adam has beyond like liking Lena is that he used to be a college football player like probably would have gone in the first round of the NFL draft college football player but his dad is his coach and it's very Austin Ames like car wash dad from a Cinderella story where he's like you're giving up your dream no dad I'm giving up your dream but then they don't talk for like a decade until his dad is dying of cancer. Yeah, I left out the whole football part because honestly, I don't think it added a single thing to the plot other than to describe Aaron's body. 
Um, the other thing it did for the plot was to give Adam a little bit of a personality in terms of they meet his uh, Aaron. Did I really? You did. <laughs> um like we meet Aaron's buddy from college when they're at the like man auction for the fundraiser. Um and he like gives Aaron a personality, basically. Yeah, I like totally memory hold that chapter. Like it it doesn't do anything. No. Like nothing that the characters do advance their character development. We are just told that they are feeling new things. Well, I also think that like Aaron I don't know, maybe this is too close to like the perfect man, but Adam is a creep. Aaron. No. <laughs> I think you said Adam again. <laughs> okay, well, whatever this man's name is, I think he's creepy. So yeah, the... He, yeah. The inciting incident in this book is that Lena is talking to her coworker Rosie and being like, oh my god, I need a date. And the first sentence of the book, I'm pretty sure, is like, I'll go with you. Or something like that. And it's him. They do not speak at work. They don't talk to each other. Because Adam is, like, not very nice to her. And Lena knows how to hold a grudge. And it's him offering to fly to Spain to be her wedding date for three days. To pretend to be her boyfriend. They don't talk to each other. Yeah, I forgot to mention this in the summary. But classically, if you've listened to any of the other Hateful Coworker uh podcasts Aaron has has been pining for Lena for over a year I think yeah and 20 months I think it is really hard to do that and then like not come off as a creep well and i the thing that is confusing and frustrating about these books in general is that like any of the men who are pining are just like fucking assholes It's like all of these authors decided that, like, pulling pigtails on the playground never goes away. And instead of being like, hey, let's go on a date. Or like, hey, I'm not going to be mean to you at work. I'm just going to, like, treat you normally and ask you if you want a cup of coffee when I walk past your office to go to the break room. Like, none of them... Like, the reason that they hate each other is because oftentimes the man is genuinely cruel. And it's like, of course she doesn't think that you like her. You're a dick. Yeah. I will say, uh, I think that Lena is justified in this book for really not liking Aaron. uh, Because Aaron is overheard telling their boss, like, I don't want to work with her. please let me work with someone else. And it's it's just because he, like, finds her too distracting and too attractive. But Which, she doesn't like, catch that part. Fuck men. Like, that sucks. So, like, yeah, I, she does have a legitimate reason to hate him. She also, in their first meeting that he worked at the office, was running late that day. And then when she came in, she, like, spilled coffee all over the table and, like, ruined part of his presentation. And, like, it is fair for him to be upset about that, but she, like, apologized to him and tried to make it right, and he was such a dick that, like, then every single meeting, she was never late again, he would, beforehand, he would come up to her and be like, don't forget, we have that meeting at 10 a.m., don't be late like you always are. Like! Yeah, he is just mean to her. In multiple ways. And when you get further into the book, he's like, Oh, yeah, it was the only way I could talk to you. Not true! Not true. That's not true! You could go apologize. Hey, I'm really sorry. I took that joke too far. That's my bad. Let's see. I think my only thoughts that I have about this book... One, we get the... We get the... Aaron never smiles except at Lena, and then when he smiles, it transforms his whole face. Yes. Yeah, he does do that. Something that I'm thinking about is that is true of everybody. Uh, I Not mean, in some terms people of, are like, a little 
easier as far as like smiling often. Yes, that's true. But the idea that like someone going from like deadpan to a big smile changing their face, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, true. It does feel like, I mean, all of these authors write female attraction in like that specific way. That's true. Oh, with Aaron having his buddy on the football team and like being super normal with him, that makes the way that he treats Lena even less understandable. Because he does have the ability to act normal. And frankly, if he was a quarterback at a D1 school, he also knew how to talk to women because women were throwing themselves at him. Yeah, he's he's just a weird character. Like his background and personality don't line up super well. Correct. He is supposedly a former D1 football player with like a complex engineering degree. And like I texted Sam while he was reading the book and I was like we should look up how many D1 football players have engineering degrees. And he was like, well, Emily, there's a lot of D1 football players in the United States. And I was like, fine, find me a quarterback. And you know what? Sam did not find me a quarterback. There, he found me this um, article from berkeley.edu. So thank you for doing research, babe. Um, five students at Berkeley at a time are both D1 athletes and engineering students. And that's out of almost 36,000 students. How many would you say are are athletes? Oh, it says there's 800 athletes. And then fewer than five at a time are working toward an engineering degree. Which even just... That's like less than 1%. That's like half a percent. So I have two things to push back on here. One... Okay. Emily says that he's a quarterback. I did not see that part. I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. I might have skimmed it, but I'm not positive he was a quarterback. Two, I am not entirely convinced that Lena and, uh, oh no, you know what? She did take physics. She did say she was in an engineering course. I was going to say that they might not be like full on engineers. If they just work for, like, an engineering consultant company, they could be, like, project managers. No, but she talked about no, she passing a certification. Yeah, so you're And right. getting in a master's right. program at the US, in the U.S. They're, like, full-on engineers. Which, once... That's true. A very close friend of mine posed to me the question, what do engineers even do? What do you think they're doing? What you are... Think their company is doing? What, well, what do engineers do? Well, you know what I do. Well, you're a computer engineer. Uh-huh. But what do, like, electrical engineers? What do, what do, are there general engineers? I know what civil engineers do, because my uncle's a civil engineer. But what I doesn't... Mean, me- mechanical what do do? engineering is probably the closest thing to general engineering. And what do like, they do? They do a lot of, like, computer-aided design. Um, Designing what? Like mechanical systems. How many mechanical systems are there in the world? Oh my god. There's so many. Name ten. There's so many systems. Name ten? Fine. Uh, computer monitor stand. Um, you need a whole engineer to make a computer monitor stand? Yeah, mine's got hydraulics in it. It moves up and down. It has holes in it for wires. It clamps to the table. It's designed by somebody. You're telling me that I could go to college, get one of the hardest degrees in the U.S., and all I would use it for would be to build... You, no, I would have to take no, multiple types of calculus to build a computer stand? It's not... Well, it's not really types of calculus. You just take a lot of calculus. But yeah, somebody has to design it. And you have to do that much math to make a computer a computer stand? You gotta do some math. College is... Alright, I feel like we're getting off track here. All the classes you take in college are not, like, strictly useful. 
in your That's job. That's true. I took a class called Shakespeare and Love, and I have never used it for anything. That's not true. You use it to, to tell me about it all the time. <laughs> That's fair. What I think that they are doing in this book is working with clients to develop engineering plans, like large scale. So as what? far as like cost. Engineering what? I don't know what the clients do, Emily. They don't talk about their job in this book. It's not important. Women are not reading these books to learn about the intricacies of working in uh, engineering consulting. Okay, that's Frankly, fair. men aren't either. I don't think anyone is. They're reading it for what? What did you say it was? Chapter 23, that's where all the smut is in this book? Yeah, this is the type of book that... And I don't think it accomplishes this goal, but a, a blue-collared working man should be able to come home, crack a beer, and beat off to this kind of book. It's This one didn't do it. Sam! Samuel. It's true. Yuck! This, this book opened the heart of America to me. <laughs> the, the median American. He's like 40 years old. He works at like a car dealership. Sam, Sam, this book is for women. He comes home. He wants to have a bush light. And he reads Ice Planet Barbarians. That's the median American. All right. That's all. That's all he wants. And this book did not deliver. Yeah. This is the kind of book that is not good, but you will find it at a used bookstore with a very specific crease in the spine. <laughs> they actually, they have sex twice. That's true. I will say though, I, I read on Kindle and Kindle has this little feature where it'll show you like parts of the book that a ton of people have highlighted in the beginning of both sex scenes have way more highlights than any other part of the book. You know why people are reading this. You know that some 40-year-old woman, I guess maybe 50 now, what's the cutoff for being bad at technology right now? Uh, Probably like 55. It depends okay. on your job, I think. So some 55-year-old woman reading this on her extra-large Kindle, large print, like, at a coffee shop, is, like, out here highlighting... Like, if I stuck my hand under your dress, how wet would I find you, baby? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I will say, I'm glad I've... One last thing. I'm glad I've read these books because now I'm going to be able to see people reading these books in public and, like, I know what's in these. And you should be reading it at home. Sam, I don't think that you understand how much smut women read. No. I didn't understand. And now you feel like you have a full comprehension of the female psyche? Well, I think I had that before, but... Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... Okay, I feel like there's two more things to discuss generally before we get to the perfect man. This book has... I don't know why we talk about what these women eat so much. Why do we talk about food in, like, every single book? Because we gotta make them quirky. She's gotta like Having brownies. an eating disorder is not quirky. I don't know. I do think, unfortunately, having an eating disorder or knowing someone with an eating disorder or flirting gently with an eating disorder is like, unfortunately, part of the feminine mystique. And to put it less, like, blithely, like, I think disordered eating is really present in a lot of women's lives. So for Lena to like not eat for an entire day and then pass out. So because she wants to look slimmer for this wedding and for Aaron to chastise her because she loves food and he doesn't like how like how she's treating herself like. I don't really like that it took a man noticing the way that Lena was treating her body to, like, adjust her behavior. I think that it is inappropriate for, one, for anyone to comment on what anyone else is eating. 
because we don't know what's going on there. And two, like, I don't like an eating disorder treated casually in a book as something that can be used towards relationship building. I think that it's inappropriate. Yeah, like, she literally passes out because she hasn't eaten enough. It's, it's not great. No, it's, like, really... Like, as you're reading it, it's kind of shocking, and I think that also, like, if we treat eating disorders, I don't know if eating disorders and disordered eating are two different things. In my head, they are, but if we treat either as if there's something casual and something that is easily fixed just by a man being like, that's not you, like, that is teaching bad things. That is not good. Yeah, I agree. Sam, did you find the number of D1 football players who have engineering degrees? What? I the best I could do was that article I sent from Berkeley. I no Didn't one's really like, keeping track of this. Type the number 59 into the spreadsheet. Oh. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> that was a typo. Okay. Sam, would you like to bring up the other general thing I have highlighted on here before we move into The Perfect Man? I also, I'm going to highlight this one too. <laughs> uh, well, you've already said that one. What, that Elena Armas needs to get a better editor? Yeah. Specifically because, like, the way the way that Aaron talks, he, like, never uses a contraction. Mm, and it yeah. makes him seem... Like a, a robot with no emotions. It's, yeah. it is kind of threatening the way that he talks. It's, it's pretty jarring. It took me out of the book. Um, people don't really speak the way that the dialogue is written in this book. And I give Lena a pass because she's not a native speaker. She was born and raised in Spain, mm-hmm. like up through college age. So, you know, no problem there. But Aaron does not speak like an American. No, he speaks very strangely. We we should save how threatening he is for for the next section. That's true. Um Okay, the other the other really strange part of this book for me uh was when Lena got to Spain, her sister's getting married, Isabel. And Isabel, like, right away is like, oh, when are you going to send me, like, Aaron's dick pics? And it's just kind of glossed over. Like, there's no repercussion for pushing for that. I think more than once. It is more than once. Because she calls. So the day Lena passes out, Aaron answers her phone. And is like, no, I've got her. She's fine. And then her sister, Isabel asks calls lena the next day and is like where have you been hiding this man he's taking such good care of you and he sounds really handsome and then is basically like send me a dick pic like you can share we're sisters i don't know why elena armis is out here thinking that women want dick pics i think this might be another book where the author has revealed a little too much that she is in the minority of women who want a picture of just some random dude's dick. No, I think perhaps that she has had a sister or friend, like, ask this of her. Because I do think Lena is kind of shocked by it. A little bit, but, you know, I I think an undersized reaction to what I would expect. Which is like, no, I'm not sending you a picture of my boyfriend's dick. That's deeply inappropriate. What's wrong with you? Of course I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Instead she's like, Isabel, no. Oh my god. Why would you ask me that? I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I, that, you know, I don't know. I don't think women are out here acting like that. I, I do have, you know what, I'll come out and say it. I have a comprehensive uh, insight to the female psyche. Women are not out here doing that very often. No! Oh, you want to move into the perfect man? We can. Okay. 
I feel like both of us each have to say two nice things about Aaron before we rip into his entire personality. Uh, okay. I just want to point out here, uh, Emily has written Adam in the outline here. <laughs> Did I say Adam again? It's in the outline. It's it's the first thing under perfect man. Okay. Aaron, we have to say two nice things about Aaron. One, aside from the fact that he is trying actively to date in a, someone who is going to be his um his underling, his inferior employee, his supervisee, what the hell is that word? Subordinate. His subordinate, thank you. Um, he does seem generally like he's extremely organized and would be a good boss to report to. Yeah. Like, uh, I think I'll... you would receive the help that you needed from someone who was supervising you. And I think that that is a quality thing in an individual. Yes. Uh, I'll say a nice thing about him. Uh, gives to... Uh, charities and helps fundraise to shelter animals. Good. Good. I know that I just hated on this entire plot point because I do think it's inappropriate, but I do think that it is also a good thing that he notices and cares for Catalina when she is not caring for herself. Yep. Okay. Do I think it should have been treated as heroics? Do I think it should have been in the book at all? No. Find another way for him to help her. But the fact is that was written into the book, and that is good. No one else noticed that she really was struggling, and he helped her when she needed it. Okay. Uh, my second good thing I'll say about Aaron is he says he took Spanish in high school, which is the morally and ethically correct option when given the choices of foreign language classes in high school, uh, if you pick anything other than Spanish, I think that should be a red flag. And yet you like me. I would say in spite of it, yeah. Um, Emily actually, I think, did not get the full scope of this book because she couldn't understand the Spanish that is in it. Sam, I have a French minor. I can read a romantic language and get the gist. Mm. Oh my god. Um, And then Sam and I both agree on this final reason that Adam deserves extra points towards the perfect man. He's hunky as hell. Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, I, I Lena is dating a hottie. Yeah. Okay, here are his flaws. He's a creep. Yeah, he's he's weird. He's definitely stalkerish. He is really like keeping track of Lena's mannerisms like over the course of months at work. He is unkind to her as a coworker and then acts confused when she doesn't want his help. He's like, "Oh, you stubborn woman." In comparison to being like Oh, she doesn't want my help. And, like, moving on. He essentially, like, harasses her into taking him to Spain. Yeah. And then... And honestly... Go on. He has, he has like, no sense of humor. There's no wit in this book. No, not He's at not all. Funny. He doesn't make jokes. He's just... A f he's a flat surface, and things get like reflected off of him. There's nothing. There's nothing actually coming from him. He just reacts to a situation around him. He doesn't really like create anything for himself, personality-wise. And I think part of that might be because this book is in first person, and Lena is like a deeply unreliable narrator. Like, for sure. She. Maybe Adam is act. Maybe Aaron <laughs> is acting like vaguely normal. And she has just decided to hold a grudge. But, like, I don't think that's what's happening. Also, like, 
anytime that Lena is like, you don't seem to really like me very much, he'll say out loud, no contractions, like flat-faced, like, I can see that you don't trust me back yet. Don't worry. I'm going to change that. Yeah. He... But, like... He's just so weird. He's really threatening. Yeah. Like, I... If he was not a hunky hot guy, he'd be in the HR office. Oh, for sure. For sure. Mostly because it seems like he is, like, blackmailing her into taking him to Spain after she finds out and expresses concern that he is going to be her boss. Yeah, and we should clarify, at the end of the book, he's still her boss, like a year later. HR is just like, oh, it's fine. That's not fine. That's not cool. You should not date your direct boss, and the boss should know better. Well, and it's, it's not like he is... Yeah, it, the issue, I think, there with the phrasing you're using is direct boss. It's not like he's, like, a VP of, like, another section of the company. Like, she reports yeah. directly to him. When she submits a PTO request, he approves it. Yeah, and w- he, so he he supervises, like, five engineering team leads, and Lena is one of them. One of the other engineering team leads gets fired for like sexual harassment charges and for just generally being a dick which is good it's correct uh but then who who gets promoted up to that empty slot oh it's lena's best friend yeah that's not gonna look weird at all you know like i it it baffles me that lena has all of this trauma from having her reputation like essentially ruined for dating her professor and having her reputation essentially being like, oh, she slept her way to good grades. And she's just like letting it happen again. With no worries. Because even if that guy was a sexist piece of shit and didn't understand that he couldn't say the thoughts he was having out loud, like, there are lots of people who quietly formed an opinion of Lena and went home to their spouse and was like, can't believe that this bitch got promoted over me because she's the boss's girlfriend's best friend. Yeah, it it's, and like in the book, the author is like, oh, hey, actually no one cares. I just don't believe it. Somebody cares. I bet a lot of people care. Nepotism is alive and well. And that, that doubt, I, I just, I don't believe that that doubt has left Lena. Yeah, Lena was, so basically what happened, Lena dated her physics professor when she was in college, but they didn't start dating until after her class was over with him, but, like, the rumor mill really got going and essentially was, like, she fucked her way to being top of the class, and, like, she's from, like, a super not, like, a fairly small town, and the way that the schooling system works in Europe, people are not really going all over for, like, different large universities. Like, there's a lot of, like, city colleges, and my assumption is that there was, like, a city college with an engineering degree. So she was, like, not just with her peers in age, but, like, with her peers in terms of, like, hometown. And so, like, people are, like, shitting on her on Facebook, they are, like, writing cruel things on message boards, like, it's really, really, really would be just, like, deeply traumatizing, and she barely graduates, and then she gets out. So, like, it's not like she, like, dated her professor and there was a little bit of drama, like, she was, like, mercilessly bullied by people who, like, formerly cared about her. Yeah, and, like, throughout the book, six years later, is reminding us that it, like, still has a bit of a hold on her. You know, she's not, like, totally over it. Sam, she, like, has a panic attack when Aaron gets announced as her boss. Yeah, and and the the Spanish, the the trip to Spain that they take is, like, literally three days. Yeah. 
Well, and she does a very appropriate thing, which is goes to Aaron and is like, I will not go to Spain with you. This cannot happen. And he basically is like, stone cold, no smile, no face, no inflection. Like, I see you don't trust me yet. Don't yeah, worry. He's essentially just like, oh, we'll we'll talk to HR about it. He's like, don't Again, worry, you'll get over it. I am I am speaking to Allie Hazelwood and Alina Armas. If your characters have to go to lengths to explain why their relationship isn't a problem by the rules, it might still be a problem. Damn, that part of the book really pissed me off, actually. Along with the the, the cancer twist right at the end. Just oh, out you of and nowhere. Every person on Goodreads both. Yeah. What a lazy twist. There were, and we'll talk about this in comparison and contrast, there were too many plots in this book. Just one less. Just give us one less. Maybe two less. This book could have honestly been like half the length. Oh, easily. I thought The Hating Game was a bad book, and I, I didn't especially like reading it. But, like, this this book specifically, like, made me upset to read it. I really didn't like it. Well, and The Hating Game at least had the bonus of being, like, a tight 90. Yes. Like, not 90 oh, pages. I was going like, to mention this. This this book is has been optioned for a movie. Okay, well, made they yet, made a Hating Game movie, babe. It, it's being directed by the same guy. That directed the hating game. Oh, don't say it's gonna that. It's going to be the me. same movie. Oh my god, it is. He's just going to make two of the same movie. We're going to have to watch it. We are going to have to watch it. That's true. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll maybe we'll start doing uh, movie episodes. The uh, all my friends are English majors podcast network <laughs> cover all sorts of media. Okay, guys, we're moving into too many hands. I think the only two things that I put on here, one, I don't know if any of you have ever been awake for over 24 hours, but I I don't know. Sam, maybe you can speak to this. Being awake for that long makes me feel like I'm kind of intoxicated, but, like... She has been awake for, like, over 24 hours. They're, like, at this club. They're celebrating her sister's bachelorette party slash night before the wedding slash a lot of crazy stuff is happening. But Lena has been awake for over 24 hours, and there's, like, crazy jet lag happening. And she's so horny that she, like, is, like, oh, my God. If Aaron touches me, I'll pass out, basically. Honestly, if I was awake that long, I think that sex would probably be the first furthest thing from my lo- my mind. I don't know. She's just built different, I guess. Because she is, like, deliriously horny at this point. And, like, I get the delirious por- part. <laughs> but I don't get the deliriously horny part. Well, she hasn't she hasn't gotten laid in like six years or something, right? I mean that I think is what we're supposed to understand. Yeah. She's really thirsty. Or she I don't know. That that part I was like, I'm really distracted by the fact that she's been awake this long. Like also, if she's working at a high tech engineering Firm, you know they've switched to unlimited PTO. I do not know why she wasn't there for, like, ten days. Yeah, I don't know. I, well, I don't think she, like, especially wanted to be in Spain. It was pretty clearly, like, a stressful experience leading up to it. I think she probably was trying to limit the amount of time, especially because she had lied about having a boyfriend. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, the only other thing that I added to Too Many Hands before Sam is really gonna gonna take over and do some reading for us is I texted Sam at, what, like, 10, 15 p.m., do you consider the penis a limb? Because at one point in this book, Elena Armas writes that, like, 
Lena wakes up with, like, Aaron's fifth limb poking her. The way she words it is, I think I have a new favorite limb. Oh, God, really? Was that what it was? (laughs) Yeah. Fuck. (laughs) Well, did you know exactly what I was asking about when you read that then? Oh, as soon as I read it, I was like, oh, yep, there it is. I'm going to put this out there. In my opinion, not a limb. Okay. Sure. What makes it, what makes something a limb then? I think if it's an arm or a leg, it's a limb. I don't think it's much more complicated than that. Like, your head is not a limb. Your neck is not a limb. Yeah. I think I have a new favorite limb. That's so horny. Are you, are you, so, (laughs) is... Is smut also prose? Like, if I describe the prose in this book as poorly written, do you think that covers the smut too, or is that separate? Um, I'm gonna look up the definition of the word prose. Because I think, like, the prose in this book is not great, but specifically the smutty prose is, is bad. It really took me out of it. So I think technically all writing that isn't poetry is prose. Okay. But I don't think of a book like this as prose. I think of, like, The Handmaid's Tale as Mm. a book with good prose. Like, to me, as a non-English major, prose has to be, like, some form of elevated writing. And boy, oh boy, is this not elevated writing. I see. Okay. Like, I sometimes think that prose is still lyrical, but doesn't have metric structure like poetry does. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, I would I would not say that the smut is structured lyrically. No. It's like... Uh, I don't know if how many of your listeners are going to know who Death Grips is. <laughs> The artist? I don't know how many people are involved with Death Grips anyways, but that is kind of what the the smut is like, is listening to Death Grips. Kind of all over the place. It kind of feels like Elena Armas was like, okay, I've read a lot of smutty fan fiction. I'm just going to pull all of my favorite parts out. Yeah, but she's also like totally allergic to just using the word boner, which I think would have helped, honestly. Are you are you planning to read us phrases used in chapter twenty thing three that I think are weird? Uh I could. So this would you... be a good this would be a good part of the podcast where if you don't want to hear me read the actual smut from this book, you should skip forward a little bit. Claire, this is for you. I think this is for your mom. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <clears throat> All right, here we go. And <laughs> and I do want to specify, some of the stuff is in here just because, like, I she just should have used simpler words. Do some you want to correct it? The thesaurus. Do you want to rewrite it? Uh, We could. No, I didn't say we. We could. Oh, okay. Uh, Maybe you should read what's actually written then, and I'll correct it. Okay. Correct. Aaron needed my breasts leisurely. And we should note, kneaded with a K here. Uh-huh. Um, like their bread. Uh, Aaron fondled my tits. <laughs> Sam! No. What? Leisurely is the thing that makes that sentence bad. Fine. Aaron gently fondled my breasts. Mm. Needed? Needed isn't bad. Like dough? Yeah. Okay. All it says on the next bullet point is in quotation mark, wet folds. Uh, I would correct this by just using the word pussy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't think wet folds is that bad. Uh... But I have read a lot of smutty fan (laughs) fiction, and I would say Uh, that it's in, like, at least 50% of the smut. Okay. I don't know. 
So you're anti the phrasing. Yeah, I don't think I like wet folds that much. Mm-hmm. Okay. Aaron extricated his fingers from me. This one is pretty easy. I think we just replace extricated with like removed. Let's use let's use a slightly easier word. Yeah. Okay. I'm not reading that. <clears throat> um, the, I, no, I'm skipping that all right, whole point. All right, then you. How can you I'll fix it. it? How can I'll, you fix? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I'll try. I'll try. I watched how he lifted the fingers that had been inside of me moments ago and introduced them inside his mouth. Why? Oh, Sam, I'm sorry. You need to look something up. What? You need to look up if Elena Armas' first language is English. Here's the thing, babe. She has an editor. That's true. This sentence specifically reads like someone who is trying to be so careful with American grammar. Yeah. I'll I'll be clear here. I, this section of what we're critiquing, I put on the editor's head. Elena Armas, I believe, is from Spain, but someone should have been looking out for her. I don't think introduced fits here. Introduced them doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. There's too many words in this sentence for someone who's comfortable with English. Yeah, yeah. I I will critique Elena Armas for basically everything in this book. But I think the grammar is on the editor. Yeah. And I some can't of the believe it took chosen. me this long to realize that potentially English is not her first language. I don't think it is. That but would if make... You are, if you are publishing a book in English, I think we have the right to critique it in English. That's fair. I also think that we should point out that the reason that the smut in this book is kind of shocking in terms of how horny it is, is because until, like, two pages before she's deciding she's so horny she has to fall over, they they don't talk to each other. Like, she doesn't trust him. They're not friends. They don't really know anything about each other. And then suddenly... Aaron is saying things like, I want to feel you milking me, baby. Jesus Christ. And if I snuck my hand under your dress, how wet would I find you, baby? Why are we stuck on baby, first of all? Yeah, I wasn't huge on that. I was just going to say that the specific, all right, the milking me sentence is really bad. Other than that, I'm not taking like the actual dialogue of the smut out of context because you can do that to anything, and it's going to sound whack. Uh, but <laughs> that that sentence specifically, like, I puckered my face, like eating a lemon. I think I described this book to you before I finished it as eating lemons. And You did. You said it was like eating lemons uh, for dinner. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's food, I guess. This is, <laughs> this is a romance book, but... It doesn't taste good. It doesn't taste good. Unlike, apparently, Lena to Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to make you correct this one. How would you fix the phrase jutting thickness? I think she was afraid to use the word cock. She uses it a little later in the scene. I think she could have used it a little earlier. Yeah, I just... This feels very like 1990s bodice ripper on this feels like um in 10 things i hate about you when Allison Janney is writing smut instead of being a good guidance counselor at school where she uses <laughs> <laughs> where she refers to something as a throbbing member mm. yeah you know the thing about the penis is <laughs> the the more you try to use a euphemism to describe a boner the less like the more crass it becomes somehow so like, you think the word dick is less crass than referring to something as a as his jutting thickness yeah or like the word heart his hardness gets used a lot that feels gross I don't want to read that. Just say dick. 
We we all know what it is. His fifth limb? Yeah. Lena's favorite limb. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Claire, we're on to Goodreads. You're safe. <laughs> okay. This book has a 3.9 on Goodreads. I picked some very long Goodreads, so we'll just... I picked four of them. So this is someone who really liked this book. Boy, oh boy. Here we go. Like, Clark fucking Kent did all the things that Aaron did to Catalina due to me, where he brought her not one, not four, but five fish tacos. Knows all about you because he listens. Not a hoe. I repeat, not a hoe, because he's saving it for someone who's worth it. Tries to learn Spanish for you and your family, and is willing to travel across the world with you just to pretend to be your fake boyfriend without expecting anything back. Enter. Back arched, period. Knees bent, period. Throat open, period. I, period, am, period, ready. And that is saying a lot because I'm a picky bitch with high standards. Jesus yeah. Christ. I'm going to put this out there. I don't think he was. I think he might have been expecting something back when he went on this trip. Also, knows all about you because he listens. You don't talk to him. Is he just listening around corners? He's eavesdropping. He's, He's just eavesdropping. Around. Ladies, if a man buys you five fish tacos, you should fuck him and bring him to Spain with you. That is a certified throat open moment when he <laughs> buys you five fish tacos. <laughs> it is so crazy of someone to write a Goodreads review with the <laughs> phrase <laughs> throat open in it. <laughs> that is a crazy thing to say! People are using their real ass names on Goodreads. <laughs> she also is like in in an athletic st stance. Oh yeah. Like to me, knees bent does not mean like on your knees. <laughs> it means like crouched. Yes. Like, she's ready to backpedal on a basketball court right she's, now. <laughs> she's not <laughs> kneeling. She's ready to move laterally quickly. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Okay. Do you just want to summarize some of these? Kind of long. I think I'm going to read the last one. Okay. If a guy I barely talked to knew me way too well and obsessively asked to be my date for an intimate family event on another continent, I'd be creeped out. It's one thing to offer. It's another to pull a, gold, a Joe Goldberg and keep asking until you get your way. Aaron needs to stop saying baby in every sentence. You are not Justin Bieber. Get it together. I also understand that Aaron was in love with her for years, so it makes sense that he says he loves her after a week of being together. But Lena returning it was just unrealistic. It literally has been a week, girl. Come on. Was the dick that good? Was the dick that good? I don't know. He, um, <clears throat> the smut in this book was written a little differently than the smut in the other books, in my opinion. Go on. Um, uh, by my count, there was, uh, Aaron went down on her for, like, a total of, like, four seconds. Like, uh -huh. it was... That was it. The other books, that's quite an event, you know? And Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The Smut in this was fine. It, like, wasn't as good as the other books we've read, I guess. A man with opinions on the Smut and hateful coworker romances be still my heart. Here's what I'll say. There weren't... For, like, as big as the height differences in this book, which I think it's assumed it's, like, about a foot, there was nothing really that seemed, like, physically impossible. So, one star for the Spanish love deception. One for single me? kudos. For not oh, making the height I difference too crazy. 
Yeah, okay. I mean, there is a ton of writing about, oh, I'm I'm so small next to him. Except I'm very small. I'm very small, except I'm not eating at all. Right. Okay, I'm going to read one last review. Because I think she's right. Fully. It gets repetitive very quickly, and it's just so annoying. Heaving to sit through pages and pages of internal dialogue that is basically just the same thought repeated over and over again. We don't need every single one of Catalina's thoughts. There are sometimes ten pages of just Catalina thinking, and she doesn't even think interesting things. I started skipping it after page 400 and just reading dialogue, and honestly, I missed nothing. Aaron and Catalina have no chemistry. There is no build-up. I wasn't rooting for them. There was no tension, no yearning, nothing. They don't flirt. There is no sexy banter. There is simply no room for sexy banter because we have to spend every single second in Catalina's head. Instead, we go from 0 to 100 in the span of half a page. Takes us around 400 pages to get to their first kiss, which also comes with no emotional buildup, no tension, nothing. And then Aaron just starts saying things like this. If I stuck my hand under your dress, how wet would I find you, baby? And she's right. Yeah, I just thought of this now, but maybe maybe the fact that he ends all his sentences with baby is an indication that we should be reading them with like an Austin Powers accent. I don't know what that sounds like. Could you do that for me, babe? You know, he's always like, uh, do I get you horny, baby? <laughs> you know, like. This man from the state of Washington. I don't know, maybe he is just like Austin Powers. He could be. Really buff, tall football player Michael Myers. Yeah, that's a good theory. Did this book make you feel good? Was this book good? No, this book was bad. I would not have finished it if it was not for this podcast. I think I probably could have finished every other book you've had me read so far, including The Hating Game. But this one like, felt like a chore every time I sat down and opened it. Yeah, I agree. I was not stoked to be reading it. I did knock it out in a night, but I had read it before. I think it's a no-buy from either of us. Not a chance. No. Although, Will I watch the movie? Of course. You know it. Thanks, babe. That's so sweet of you. Maybe we'll start doing movie episodes. I will say, one of our cuter book covers... That's okay, the tricky thing. Looked. That's the tricky thing about these romances is like, damn, they're cute. Like, cutie pie little books. Too bad that they're poorly written a lot of the time. Yeah, this, this one wasn't it. This one was not it. Okay, that's all we have. Yeah. I don't really have anything more to say about this book. I don't think I'll think about it much more after tonight. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Goodbye, everyone. Don't forget, go into your next week with your back arched, your knees bent, and your throat open. We'll see you next week.